Kids, there you go. Um, well, hey, man, let's give it up for our worship band one more time, man. That was awesome. That was awesome. All right, hey, we're going to have fun today. Uh, go ahead, if you've got a Bible, open it up to Judges chapter 6, all right? Judges chapter 6. If you're new to the Bible, if you're like, where in the world's that? Hey, listen, the table of contents is your friend. It's towards the front of the Bible. But if you don't have a Bible at all, it's going to be up on the screen behind me in just a little bit. But Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to be in just a moment. We're really going to be in Judges 6, 11 through 16 today. And um, before we get there, I, I want to um, uh, I, I play a little game with you today. I want to I show you some pictures on screen of some TV dads, all right? I just want to see if you know these guys. And if you know who this is, I want you just to yell it out at the top of your lungs, all right? So as soon as you see the guy on screen, if you know who it is, I want you to tell me who it is, all right? So here's the first one. You tell me who this is. Right there, who is that? There you go. It's Ray. Everybody loves Raymond. There we go. All right. Everybody, everybody knew that one. Here, here's another one. Who's this guy? Homer. Woohoo! That's right. There we go. Homer Simpson. Okay. Dope. All right. Now, here's the last one. Last one. I just got three for time's sake. Who's this guy? Oh, I got you. Does anybody know this? Anybody know this? Some of you are know, knowing it, and you're telling the person next to you, you don't want everybody else to know you watch this show. Would you just yell it? Who is this guy? Phil Dunphy, there you go, from Modern Family, there you go. Everybody, some of you are like, I don't think I know who that is. I think I live next to that guy. Um, no, Phil Dunphy from Modern Family. And so if you know him or not, uh, listen, here's what I wanted to ask you. Um, so, so Raymond, from Everybody Loves Raymond, Homer Simpson, and Phil uh, Dunphy, from, uh, Dunphy from Modern Family. And we could have went on, man. I mean, we could have shown all kinds of dads from television, uh, movies. Uh, but, but think about this, or maybe if you think you know, you can answer this out loud. Uh, what do those three guys have in common? Okay, they're all dads, and then they all have something else in common. Does anybody else know? They're all idiots, that's exactly what they have in common. They're all dumb. None are the sharpest knife in the drawer. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? You know what I'm saying? Right? And, and listen, we could have shown, I could have shown tons more pictures of dads from movies, from television. Because I don't know if you've ever realized this or not. I was thinking about this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. But in the culture that we live in, like movies, television, dads are always the guys on television, movies that mess stuff up. Have you noticed this? Right? Television, movies, dads are always the guys that, that break everything they touch. They always mess something up. They always drop the ball. So, like, I have, I have three young kids, so I watch a lot of kids' TV. I promise it's because I have three young kids. It's not because I'm, like, into it. But, uh, but I, like, like if, you, if, you watch, if you watch a lot of movies today and there's a dad in it, okay? If you watch a lot of movies, there's a dad in the movie. And the issue on the table is that the world needs to be saved. And your options are dad or the pet hamster. You go for who? The pet hamster, because dad could mess it up. You always go for the hamster, man, because the hamster might be a secret agent for the CIA or something like that. But don't go for dad, because dad's the guy that always drops the ball. Dad's the, the guy that, that always messes everything up. He never lives up to expectation. He always lets everybody down. I mean, dad is the guy that a lot of things in our culture portray as the failure. And maybe that's where you're at today. 
Maybe here it is, it's Father's Day. I wonder if there's some guys that are in the room. You're being celebrated today. We celebrate you guys, and we celebrate all the men that God's brought into our lives who played a positive influence on our lives. And, but, but I just wonder if there's some guys that are in the room, and maybe it's not on the outside, but on the inside, you just feel like you've let everybody down. You just, you just feel like you've dropped the ball. You just feel like, you know, you can relate to that when it comes to breaking every single thing that you touch. You just feel like you've let everybody significant in your life down. I mean, here we are, it's, it's Father's Day, and maybe there's some guys that are in the room, if you were to grade yourself, at best you may give yourself a C. You just feel like a failure. You just feel like you let everybody down. If only you had a hamster to make everything right, but you don't, all right? Well, listen, if that's you, and even not just for guys, if you feel like a failure at this stage in your life today, or if you've ever felt like a failure, you've ever struggled with the reality of disappointment in your life, then I want you to know you are in really good company. Because you're exactly in company, you're exactly where the guy that we're going to spend some time with today was when we catch up to him in the Bible. Because today we're going to spend some time with a guy that maybe you're familiar with, if you're new to the Bible, new to church, maybe not, a guy named Gideon. And so I want you to open up your Bible, because just to set the stage, we'll read the rest of this in just a moment, but I just want us to look at Judges chapter 6, verse 11, just so we can set the stage, set the context, we can catch up with our guy Gideon and kind of introduce us to where we're going this morning. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it, because it's already probably up on the screen behind me, it should be. Let's just look at Judges 6, 11. Watch what it says here, all right? It's not going to make a lot of sense, I'll explain it on the other side. Watch this. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah. Not Oprah, Ophrah. Make sure you get that right, all right? Which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son, Gideon. There's our man right there, Gideon. Now watch what Gideon is doing, because this is one of those verses in the Bible where if you're just reading it, you're going to skip over it because it doesn't have a lot of devotional content, all right? Watch what Gideon is doing, all right? And his son, Gideon, here's what he's doing. Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press. To hide it from the Midianites. See, just to put some context around what's going on here, at this stage in history, God's people, Israel, are slaves to a nation known as the Midianites. And, and as Israel were, were slaves to the Midianites, their existence, their daily reality was horrible. The Midianites were an extremely oppressive people. And so Israel, from sunup to sundown, they were slaves. They were told what to do. Many of them were on the brink of starvation because a lot of their resources were constantly being taken away from them. But probably what stung the most was that they knew it shouldn't be this way. Because what stung the most was, was the remembrance, the, the memory of the promises that God gave to his people Israel. Because, because they remembered the promises that God had given to their forefathers, to, to guys like Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And God told Israel, he said, I'm going to bring you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And what that means is God's going to bring them what was known into the promised land. And the promised land was going to be just filled, overflowing with abundance. I mean, they were going to live the good life, living it up with God in the promised land, but they weren't there. And it didn't look like they were ever going to get there. They were slaves. 
In fact, on the surface, we're going to see Gideon say this in a minute. When they looked around, all they saw was that God had forgotten them. Have you ever been there? You ever, you ever look at your life and thought that it should have been better than what it is at this moment? You ever, you ever look at your life, guys, feel a little bit of guilt, feel a little bit of disappointment because you thought you could have been a better provider by now? You had a picture of being a better dad, of being a better husband, or maybe not even guys. Has anybody, have you ever been there, you've looked at your life and man, I just thought it was going to be different. That's where Israel was. And in the midst of that is our man, Gideon. And God's going to, and Gideon rather, Gideon is going to be God's man in God's place at God's time. And so Gideon, remember what he's doing. Let's go back and let's read it again. Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Because remember, the Midianites stole a lot of the Israelites' resources. One of the most valuable resources they could get for survival was wheat. Gideon had somehow smuggled some wheat. He's hidden it. I don't know what he's done. I don't know how he got it. But he's taken some wheat, and here's what he's doing. He's beating out the wheat in the wine press. Say, that doesn't make any significance to me at all. Here's why that's significant. Because when Gideon is beating out the wheat, this is something that the Israelites were supposed to do out in the open. In front of everybody. So they would take the wheat and maybe they'd beat it with a rock or they'd beat it up against the rock or the side of, or the side of something. And the reason they were beating out the wheat was to remove from the wheat any impurity that would cause the wheat to be unuseful. That, that, that would cause the wheat to be insignificant. You couldn't use it. And so what they would do is they would take it out in the open air, beat it against something so that when they would hit it against it and the air would flow through it, the wind would flow through it, it would come and just remove all the dirt, remove anything that was unnecessary, remove all the filth. You're supposed to do it in the open air, but Gideon is hiding. And he's hiding in the wine press. So what's a wine press? A wine press is a room kind of off to itself, almost like a cellar or a basement. Nobody knows he's there. He's hiding from the Midianites. Why is he hiding? Because Gideon feels like a failure. Gideon knows that God's people shouldn't be slaves. Gideon knows that God made better promises. And so he's filled with regret. He's filled with disappointment. He's filled with a lot of shame. So much so that he's stolen some wheat and now he's beating it out, hiding, hoping nobody finds him. And then all of a sudden, God comes. And when God comes to Gideon, what do you think God is going to say to Gideon? What do you think God's going to say? See, this is going to be a paradigm shift for a lot of you because a lot of you have this view of God where God's constantly in heaven, angry, just filled with wrath all the time, ready to zap you if you drop the ball. So when you mess up, you say, God, what did I do wrong? As if God's in heaven going, aha! You know, just like that right there. And so God is going to do something today that maybe it's not in your paradigm of how you view God because you would think that God would come to Gideon. Here's Israel. They're, they're, they're slaves. Gideon is a slave. He feels like God's abandoned him. So you think that God's going to come to Gideon and say, Gideon, where's the hamster? We need a hamster, Gideon. Right? He doesn't say that at all. Watch what God says. Verse 12. Look at this. Verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and says to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. 
And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. God comes to Gideon, and and God gives Gideon this massive word of encouragement. And the reason that God gives Gideon this word of encouragement is because God has a calling and a purpose for Gideon's life. Listen to me, every man in the room, I want you to listen to me today. God's got a calling and a purpose for your life. Did you know that, men? God's got a calling and a purpose for your life. God's got something that he wants to do in and through you. Just as Gideon was God's man in God's place at God's time, so can you be. Say, man, I don't even believe in God. Or, man, I'm not even a Christian. I just came because somebody invited me. I just came because I heard you was giving away a grill. I thought you might have been cooking something on it. I'm disappointed. I don't know why I'm here. I don't even believe in that stuff. Listen, you can become God's man today. Because I don't believe that anybody came to Summit on accident today. I believe that every one of you came because God had a divine appointment with you written down before he created anything because God wanted you to sit in that seat on this Father's Day because God wants to speak into your life in a way that he's never done it before and radically change you so that from this moment forward, you will never be the same again. God's big enough to do that. Do you believe that? God can do that. God's done it in a lot of people's life. Listen, he can do it in yours. He's done it in mine. He can do it in yours. And so God comes because God's got a calling and a purpose for Gideon. God's got a calling and a purpose for every person in the room. Men, women, teenagers, children, God's got a calling and a purpose for you. And he comes and he encourages Gideon because of that. And I think there's three things that God would want to encourage us with today. I think there's three things that God would want to encourage every single guy with on Father's Day. So, so that don't anybody clock out on me, all right? Don't, don't the ladies, ladies, don't clock out or anything. All right, I'm going to give a lot of application. I'm going to say a lot of stuff to the men, but this is for everybody. Because guys, I want you to see every man in the room that God's got three statements that he wants to say to you today that will are true, that will always be true until you die or Jesus comes back. And not only are they true for every man, but they're true for every person in the room today. Three encouraging statements that God gives to Gideon. And I believe that God wants to give them to every one of us here today. The first thing, and you might want to write these down in your Bible, because these will always Always, always, somebody say always, always be true. The first thing that God wants us to see today is that you can be who God says you are. You can be who God says you are. So here's Gideon, and Gideon is is hiding in the wine press. He feels like a failure. He feels like a disappointment. What do you think Gideon is saying to himself in that moment? Well, what do you say to you when you feel like a failure and a disappointment? What do you say? I tell you what I say when I feel like a failure and a disappointment. This is what I say to myself. I say, Mark, you're such a loser. You're so stupid. You got this big, huge head with a big forehead, and God didn't put anything in it. So, so dumb, right? So I throw a little private pity party. Gideon is throwing a private pity party in a wine press with some wheat. Don't that sound awesome? And he feels sorry for himself. He feels like a failure. He's let Israel down. He's let God down. And God comes to him and God says, Gideon, I am with you and you are a mighty man of valor. 
Some translations, it might even be in the Bible that you're looking at on your phone or, in, or, or the Bible that's in your lap. Some translations say this. God comes to Gideon and says this. Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Guys, what would it do to you if God showed up at work tomorrow and looked you in the eye and said, hey, man, you're a mighty warrior. What would it do to you, man? Oh, oh, oh. That's what it do to me. Fired up, man. That's awesome. Jesus shows up into my house. Just wanted to say you're a mighty warrior. First off, that would freak me out. Secondly, that would be awesome. You know what it does for Gideon? Nothing. In fact, look at what Gideon says right after God tells him, you're a mighty warrior. Warrior, warrior. That's not a word. Don't use it. Gideon says to him, watch this. Please, sir, if the Lord's with us, then why'd this happen? You show up talking all this, I'm with you, and I'm a mighty warrior. Well, look where I'm at. See, Gideon is at a place where he's got to ask himself one of the most important questions that we will ever ask ourselves. Gideon is at a place where he's, he's got to ask himself the question that you will have to ask yourself today and every day as long as you've got breath in your lungs. It's one of the most important questions, significant questions you could ever ask yourself. Gideon is at that moment, and a lot of you are at that moment. We will have this moment where we have to ask ourselves this question every day. And here's the question, who will I believe? Who will I believe? Gideon has to ask himself, who will I believe? Because I feel like a failure. God, you tell me I'm a mighty warrior. Who's right? Gideon, pick. Who will you believe? Will you believe you and the way you feel and what you see? Or will you believe what God says? Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, you know what? Well, God's never called me a mighty warrior. I know, but he calls you something better. Because listen to me, Christian, every child of God that's in the room, listen to me. God speaks to you as to who you are in Christ. God might have called Gideon a, better, a, 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 a mighty warrior, but he says better things to you because every Christian in the room, you are in Christ. We're going to talk about this in a few weeks in the Don't Call It a Comeback series. But when God looks at you, Christian, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus, when God looks at you, God sees Jesus because everything that Jesus did for you, God has credited it to you as if you did it. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees what Jesus has done for you and that you have been washed in his blood and you are absolutely forgiven. And so everything God says to you, he says to you as his child through what he's done for you at, through the person of his son, Jesus. And so we've got to ask ourselves, who will I believe? Some of you say this to yourself all the time, I'll never change. I'll never change. My dad struggled with this. His dad struggled with this. Other people are telling you, you'll always deal with this issue. You'll never move away from that thing, that, that issue, that struggle, that addiction, that thing in your life, that sin in your life. You'll never change. You've been saying it to yourself over and over and over. I'll never change. I'm stuck. But God says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. The new has come. Who will you believe? Are you going to believe you? Are you going to believe other people? Are you going to believe the devil? Or are you going to believe God? You look at your life and you say, I'm a failure. I'm a disappointment. I always let everybody down. But God says in Romans chapter 8, you are more than a conqueror. Who will you believe? 
Maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about your situation. You're in the midst of something right now and you look at it and you think it's never going to get better. We're stuck. That's exactly where Gideon was. Gideon said, hey, if you're with me, if I'm so mighty, why did this happen? Here's what Gideon's problem is. It's because Gideon believed what he saw, not what God said. You got to make the decision. Are you going to believe what you see or are you going to believe what God says? Because you're looking at a situation that seems hopeless, but God says in Romans 8, 28, that for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. Are you going to believe God or are you going to believe what you see? See, some of you are hearing this right now and you're thinking this is some pep talk because you've heard this is just a feel-good church. Mark doesn't preach the truth. Just trying to make you feel good. Just trying to wash you up a little bit, give you a little bit of self-esteem. This is not feel-good fluff. This is what it means to live the life of faith. This is what it means to live by faith. Because God says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, faith is the evidence of things unseen. Some of you, your biggest problem, let's not, I won't pick on you, I'll pick on me. My biggest problem is that sometimes I believe what I see over what God says. My biggest problem is that I believe what I feel over what God says, and I think to myself, self, if you feel it, it's probably true, even though what God says always, 365, 24-7, what God says always trumps how I feel. How I feel is a liar, and what God says is true. The question is, who will you believe? I believe I'm looking at a room of of men and women and teenagers right now. Many of you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says that the exact same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead flows through your veins at this moment. Do you realize that? Do you believe that? You say, I don't feel like that's true. It doesn't matter. Who are you going to believe? Your feelings or what God says? God says that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and breathes and moves and God every Christian. What does that mean? It means that because the Spirit is in you, you can be who God says you are. You can be who God says you are. Men, 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 I don't care what your family has said about you. I don't care what your co-workers said about you. Every man in the room, you can be who God says you are. Why? Because God's put everything in you you need to be who he says you are. You've already got it. You've already got it. You can be who God says you are. Number two, second thing God wants to say to us today is you can do what God has called you to do. You can do what God calls you to do. I love verse 14. Listen to it again. God comes to Gideon, he's talking to him, and the Lord turns to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Watch this, man, it's so personal. Watch this. Do not I send you? God could have come to any of the hundreds of thousands of other Israelites, and instead he picks Gideon. Gideon, I got something only you can do. Gideon, I've got something that I could have went for anybody else. They got some other stuff to do, but Gideon, I've got something that I'm going to do only through you. Men, listen to me, every guy in the room. Did you know that there are things that God has called you to do that only you can do? Men, did you know that? There are things that God has called you to do that only you can do. That you can't delegate off. You can't hope somebody else comes and picks it up for you. There are things that God's called you to do that only you can do. Why? Because you're a man. Let me give you two examples. Guys, only you, only you can be the spiritual leader of your house. 
Only you can be the spiritual leader of your house. In Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loves the church. And what that means is that for every man in the room, God's put into your hand the responsibility of being the spiritual leader of your house. If you're here, you're a single guy, you're not married, God's put into your hands that one day if you do get married and God gives you a family, he's called you because you're a man to be the spiritual leader of your house. You say, what's that mean? What it means is that you should pray and hope more than, more than anything else that your wife and kids, if God gives you children, you should pray and hope above all things that your wife and children know and love Jesus Christ. That's what it means. You should pray and hope above everything else that your wife, your kids, your family know Jesus, love Jesus, and are praying that they're walking with Jesus. More than you want your kids to be an all-star on the team. More than you want your kids to be the valedictorian. More than you want your kids to get that scholarship. More than you want your kids to go to that school. More than you want your kids to land that job. God is saying that, guys, it's our responsibility to take the initiative and to hope that more than anything else, our families know and walk with Jesus. So what's that mean? What it means is this. You should take the initiative in making sure that your families get to church. Take the initiative and try to step up a little bit and see if you can lead your family around reading the Bible together, praying together, seeking God together. I'll be real honest. I have failed at this way more then I've been successful at it. Way more than I've been successful at it. Been, a lot of times my biggest struggle, my biggest struggle is, is, is to think that other callings, I'm just being honest with you right now, and if you judge me, I'll find you in the parking lot and punch you in the throat. Um, don't judge me for that either. My biggest temptation is to think that other callings are more significant than that one, and it's not. There's no more significant calling in my life than to lead my family spiritually. None. I'll never forget one day. I was, I was, I was going off to do something for church or something. Um, and, and, my, and my oldest girl, she's eight. Her name's Cassidy. And there she is in the front. And she's coloring. So that makes this sermon awesome. I'm just joking, baby. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Daddy, Daddy gets bored with his sermons. Don't worry about it, darling. But I'll never forget one thing that she did one day. She's embarrassed. I'll never forget one thing that she did one day. I was leaving for church one day. I was leaving to go do something for church. And she, run, she just runs out of the house. She just runs out of the house and screams at the top of her lungs, Bye, Daddy! Bye, Daddy! And it was just as if God said in that moment, I'll never forget it. This is if God said to me in that moment, Mark, if you lost this church today, you'd never lose her. She'll always be your little girl. No greater calling than to lead her. Guys, there's nothing better than this. The promotion is not better. Bigger house is not better. There's no more significant calling in your life than to lead your family here. I want to do better at this. I think there's a lot of guys in here that are with me on it. And only you can do it. Only you can lead your family spiritually. And the second thing that only you can do, only you can maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ. Only you. 
Only you can maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ. Survey after survey, study after study. They don't even need to do surveys. I don't know why they do surveys on obvious stuff. But I'll just ask you a question. Uh, If you were to go to church after church, it's true of Summit. It's true of everything that has church on the label. I bet it's even true of the church of Satan. I bet it's true of every church. Who do you think is more involved and more vocal, men or women? You know who answered that question? Women. Told you. My proof exactly. I should spike my Bible. All the men were like, let me pray about it. The women were like, women! Why? I don't have an answer. Don't think, oh, he's about to drop something huge on us. No, I'm not. I don't know. Why? Guys, listen, listen, listen. There's nothing your family and our church and this world needs than for you to be a godly man. Nothing more. Nothing more. Only you can maintain a godly relationship, a solid relationship with Jesus Christ. What's that mean? It means that you've got integrity. It means that more than anything else, you want to walk with Jesus. When you blow it, it means that you repent, you own it, and you move on because God forgives. Only you can maintain that relationship with Jesus. You say, how can I do that? Here's how you can do it. It's the challenge we've been given over. Don't call it a comeback. Five minutes a day with God in his word. Five minutes a day with God and his word going to God saying, God, make me the man you want me to be. That's why we wrote the Don't Call It a Comeback book. It's at every table out there. Take one. They're free. Just grab one and start reading it tomorrow and watch God change your life. But God's put things in your hands only you can do. Nobody else. And you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Look at the person next to you. Say, you can do it. Because this is true for everybody. This isn't true just for men. This is true for everybody. If the Spirit of God is in you, you can do what God calls you to do. You can do this, guys. You say, I've never led my family like that. I've never tried to have a, per- have a serious relationship with Jesus. I've just kind of coasted. Well, here's what we'll adopt from, here, from now on. This is our philosophy. Today's a new day. Isn't it? Today's a new day. Lamentations chapter 3 says, God's mercies are new every morning. If you blew it last week, it doesn't matter. Today's a new day. Move on. If you blow it today, it doesn't matter. Tomorrow, if Jesus doesn't come back or you don't die, you get a Monday. And you get one of those every single day. It's a new day. Just be who God called you to be and do what God called you to do. And here's the key, number three. You can go in God's strength. You can go in God's strength. And so God, calls to, God comes to Gideon, and he gives him this massive calling of leading the Israelites out of slavery. And God says to him, verse 16, And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. See, it's not about Gideon's ability to do something for God. It's about God's ability to do something through Gideon. And so when we first meet Gideon, remember, he's hiding. He's he's beating the wheat in the wine press. He doesn't look like a mighty warrior. He does not believe in what God says that he is. He's not doing what God calls him to do. But I'm telling you, we we can't go there because of lack of time. But by the time you get to the end of Judges chapter 7, Gideon has whooped on some Midianite tail, y'all. Right? 
If you don't know the story, I'm just going to give you the warp drive version of the story. Here it goes. Gideon has an army of some Bible scholars believe of 32,000 soldiers. And God comes to him and says, Gideon, that's too many because if you go into battle, you might win and think you did it. So God whittles Gideon's army down to 300 men. This is the first 300. This is before there was Gerard Butler with the chiseled Sparta and all that. All right. This is the original 300. And what God does is God leads Israel to attack the Midianites at night because God is sneaky. And so God says, Gideon, here's how you're going to whoop some Midianite tail. I want all your 300 men to take a trumpet, an empty jar, and a torch. Now that sounds like a battle plan, doesn't it? You can can do some damage with a trumpet, an empty jar, and a torch. And so God says, I want you to surround them completely. And and on the call, everybody blow their trumpet, everybody break their jar, and then hold your torch up. Because it's going to freak everybody out. And it does. It's pitch black at night. On call, everybody blows their trumpet. The 300 trumpets go off at the same time. 300 jars break. It's the middle of the night. The Midianites are sleeping. They hear it. They think they're under attack. It's pitch dark. They think they've already been invaded. They begin to kill each other. The rest of them flee. And who's victorious? Gideon. Why? Because God said Gideon was a mighty warrior when Gideon didn't believe it. And when Gideon started to believe God instead of what he saw, Gideon did what God called him to do. But it wasn't because Gideon was strong in and of himself. It wasn't because Gideon had the ability. It was because Gideon started where we all need to start. I'm too weak. He said, God, why are you calling me? I come from the weakest clan of Israelites. Why are you calling me? And God says, I will be with you. I will be your strength. I will give you everything that you need to do this. And listen, men, God says the same thing to you. I will be with you. I will give you strength. We live in a world that urges us all to be self-made people. Self-made people. By the time you get to the end of the story of Gideon, Gideon is a God-made man, not a self-made man, a God-made man. There's some of you in this room, you think you got to the position of life where you're at because you've got the ability to make really good decisions and you're really smart. And what you need to know is that the air you've been breathing is God's, not yours. No one is a self-made man. We are all God-made people. And you will either acknowledge it in this life or you will acknowledge it when you stand before Jesus Christ. And trust me, by that point, it's too late. It's too late. So if you've never acknowledged that you need Jesus Christ and that you're too weak and that you need him to come into your life, you don't wait till next week. You do it today. But there's a lot of you guys in here and you're thinking this, you know what? God's not called me to lead an army. God's not called me to attack the Midianite people. But you know what, men? God might have never called you and he may never call you to lead an army in a war, but maybe God's calling a man in the room today to finally deal with the issue that's tearing your family apart. To finally deal with that addiction. To finally confess that sin. And if he is, I just want to say to you, you can do it. You can do it, guys. The Spirit of God is in you. And nobody wants to see you take a step forward more than the Spirit of God who is fueling your veins right now. You can do it. Maybe God's leading you to save your marriage. You can do it. She might reject you for for the first little bit. I don't know if she'll ever come around. But you know what? If God is leading you to that, be obedient to where God is leading you and you can do what God is calling you to do. Maybe it's forgiving that person. You can do it. 
The spirit, the strength is already in you. Believe what God says and just take that step. God, I'm too weak. And he promises to be your strength to every man, to every woman, to every child, whatever he's calling you to do. God says, I will be with you. I'm your strength. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It just says this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can we all say that and say it as if we believe it? Because it is true, God says it. Let's all say it because we believe it. All right, and if you don't believe it as you're saying it, ask God to help you believe it. Let's all say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be the man that God is calling me to be. If you've never led your family the way that we've talked about this morning, you can do it. Not because I'm trying to pep you up, but greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You can do it. If you've always kind of rollercoasted and sidetracked, never taken your relationship with Jesus seriously, it's a new day, men. You can start that today. You can serve. You can, you can be who God wants you to be. You can do it because greater is he that is in you. You can do it because Christ is in you and he is your strength. So here's our challenge. Here's our challenge. Gideon was God's man, God's place, God's time. I wonder if there's any men that are in the room who'd say, you know what, I wanna, I'm not perfect, man. I ain't perfect at all. But I would love to be God's man. I would love to be who God calls me to be. I want to I do what God calls me to do. I want to be who God says I am. I, I'm not perfect. And maybe I've never taken this stuff seriously before. Maybe I have taken it seriously. But God's just speaking into my life right now, Mark. But as you're speaking right now, I can say that God is telling me to be the man that he wants me to be. And I want to be the man that God is calling you to be. So here's my challenge for every man that's in the room right now. If you're here today, guys, and you say, you know what, I'm not perfect. And listen, only do this if you're taking this seriously. Only do this if you're going to take it seriously. But say, I'm not perfect, but God, I want to be who you are calling me to be. I want to be the man that you're calling me to be. Guys, if that's the cry of your heart this morning, I want you to stand up right now. You don't have to go to the back room. Stand up. Just stand up. If there are men in the room and you say, I want to be the man that God's calling me to be, I want to be that man, stand up right now. Stand up right now. Guys all over the room, and I am standing up. I've been standing up, but I'm standing up for this one. Man, I I want to be who God is calling me to be. Look at all these guys in this room. Look at all these men in this room. I want to pray for every man. I want to pray for every person in this room. And guys, whatever God's laid on your heart as you're standing there, you just verbalize it to God right now. You just pray silently. You don't have to listen to me. Quit listening to me. You just pray to God right now because he's moving in your heart because you're standing. Let's all pray. God, God, I pray for every man that's standing right now. God, I just thank you for the commitment they're making. They're just standing up, taking a stand and saying, God, I don't have it all together and neither did Gideon. But God, I... God, I want to be who you're calling me to be for the sake of my family, for the sake of this city, for the sake of this world, for the sake of this church. God, you are worth it. You are great and beautiful, and I want to be who you're calling me to be. So, God, would you give every man in here strength? You know how you're speaking to them. Give them strength. Give them strength to be who you're calling them to be. Give them strength to believe who you say that they are. And, God, help them to know that they can go in your strength. Help every woman in this room to know 
that she can go in your strength and be who you say that she is, that she can do what you've called her to do. Help every teenager to never sell short their lives on anything less than the truth that they can be who you say that, you, that they are and do what you've called them to do. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, hey, you know what? Some of you are here. God's telling you to take a step that you need to take before you leave today. I believe there's guys, men, women, teenagers in the room. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're even standing here, and this is just you saying, man, I want to get saved today. But standing or not, I believe there's people in the room. Maybe today's the day God's speaking to, to you and saying, you know what, today you need to begin a relationship with me. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, because listen, without him, it's impossible to be who he wants us to be. If you want to begin a relationship with him, I invite you to pray this prayer right there where you're standing or right there where you sit. Just pray this silently. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I want to live for you to the best that I can from this moment on. Help me to follow you. Jesus, here I am. Take me. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, if you're sitting, if you're standing, I want you to raise your hand. As soon as I say three. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if that's you. If you just prayed that prayer, you say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Raise your hand right now and raise it loud. Raise your hand right now and raise it loud. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Guys, listen, or people, people who are sitting, if God's laid something on your heart, you need to go to somebody and talk to them in the back, get prayed for, get encouraged, you're struggling with something. Hey, God didn't want you to go through it alone. Make your way out of the island. Make your way to the back right now. Make your way out of the You just do what God's telling you to do right now. God, thank you for every person that's standing. Thank you for every man that's making the commitment. God, thank you for every decision that's been made. Jesus, we love you in your name. Amen. Let's give God praise today. Let's give God praise. You guys go ahead and be seated for a moment. Let's give God praise for what he's done in this house. And, and here's what I ask you to do. Here's what I'll ask you to do. If God's laid on your heart a next step to take, and you can take it today before you leave, take that step. Some of you, you need to be baptized. Baptism Sunday is coming up. All you got to do is flip over that card, the connection card. Why don't you take that step, whether it's baptism, whether it's finally stepping up to serve, whatever it is. You fill out those connection cards, and in just a moment, our guest service people are going to be all over this auditorium. You can just drop those in the basket. But take the step that God's leading you to take today. First-time guests, please visit the table out there to your right. We've got a free gift for all of our first-time guests and something really, really special for all returning guests. If you're new to Summit, visit the Next Step booth before you leave. Hey, right now, in just a moment, Danny's going to come. And I don't know if Danny's going to be able to bring the grill out or not, but he's at least going to come out here. And Danny's going to announce who won uh, the grill that we're giving away. I, I, I hear the grill moving. I don't know if he's bringing it out, but Danny just crashed the grill at least. There it comes right. Oh, look at that. Oh, he's got help. Look at that. Isn't that adorable? Look at that. She just gave me the look that said, if you don't quit talking about me, I will come at you. That's exactly, so I'm going to turn around before I get uh, smacked. Um, but, but here's the deal. Man, we had so many people respond on Facebook to, to just, the, the, just the contest about why you love your dad and just why that guy in your life that God's brought in your life means a lot to you. And, and, and I'll tell you what, it was virtually impossible to pick one over the other. I mean, they were all amazing. In fact, if you got some time today, you should go to Summit Church Hazard, our Facebook page, and check out some of those. Some of you shot video. Some of you wrote stories 
about, about how God's used your dad in your life. And it's just an amazing thing. So earlier this morning, uh, earlier this morning, all those names came together and, and, a, and a winner was drawn. And so here's what's going to happen. Danny's going to come over here to John's mic. Danny's going to announce the winner. And if you won, I want you to stand up and make your way to the front and you can retrieve your massive grill. After the service, hey, Danny's going to dismiss you guys, but I love you all. See you next week. Stay seated. Danny's going to announce the winner. Winner, come on up. Everybody else, see you next week. I actually drawed my name, so <laughs> sorry about that. No, actually, wonderful thing. Just, to, again, appreciate it for every name that I put out there about your parents and your father. Just some exceptional things that was on the uh, website. Go out there and check it out on Facebook. But uh, let's give a round of applause to Elmer Portwood. Is he in the house? He is our winner today. And so, happy Father's Day to all you men, uh, especially those that have stood up to take the challenge today. Uh, let's pray, and, and we'll get ready, and we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for being our Father to oversee us and just provide provisions in our life. Thank you for the wonderful message and the challenge today. Lord, I pray that we can just uh, continue to, to please you and amaze you in our walk. God, thank you so much. And be with all the fathers today, God, and strengthen them to continue to, to carry on and provide for their families and be the leaders of their home. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.